you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, we're going to be jumping into two uh, separate passages uh, today. We're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to spend a few minutes in there, and then we're, the, the second passage we're going to be in is going to be continuing um, where JP left off last week, which is going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, we started uh, this journey with uh, Elijah, and we're going to be continuing on, uh, along in that journey. But before we go any further, would you all just join me in a word of prayer that we can just ask and invite God to be involved in this space, in this time, in this word? Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today. Uh, Lord, thank you for these, this, these rhythms in our week, this uh, weekly rhythm of Sunday of being able to be present together as a community, as a family, God, where we can uh, just pause in the busyness of our weeks that we can just be able to go before you, worship you with our heads, with our hearts, and God, I would ask that uh, today that you would invade this space, you would invade this time in this word. God, uh, inter- interrupt any agenda that I have that is not from you. God, do not let a word come out of my mouth that does not honor you or please you. And God, I ask that you do what only you can do, Lord, that you, you, you are the one who are speaking to our hearts and to our heads today. God, speak to me and let this time honor you and let the words of my mouth, Lord, and the meditations of our heart be holy and pleasing to you, Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, in the first uh, couple years of our marriage, uh, Nicole and I got busy very quick. Right, in the first, like, by, by year two, we were very, very uh, busy. Nicole started as an English teacher. She was t- uh, teaching public school. Uh, and, I, and if any of you have known teachers in the first few years, it can be a very stressful, very hectic time as they kind of just start getting into the rhythm of what it's like to manage a classroom and to manage all this homework. I would remember she would, on a weekly basis, she would come home with these boxes of papers to grade. Uh, and at the same time, um, I was just starting as a youth pastor. I was starting uh, this road of full-time ministry. And there was this very short window um, that during that season, I was also, uh, I, was, I had this like teaching, uh, tutoring job that I was also doing at Cal State Long Beach. And at the same time, I was just starting to write a thesis uh, for the master's program I was working there, right? And so all this to say that we were in our very early couple years of marriage, we got busy super quick. And I remember there's this one Friday night. Uh, we got home from a super busy week. We were, uh, we were just feeling kind of burnt out from everything going on. And I was looking at Nicole, and she had this huge uh, pile of homework she had to grade. And I was looking at the outline of the thesis that I did not want to write. And we had all this to do, and there was really feeling that there's not enough time to do it. And slowly, there's that building pressure, you know, that feeling, which is like things are closing in on your chest, and you're starting to feel that stress build, and you're starting to think, but man, I got real problems now. And I remember I had this, like, epiphany. I was like, I made it. I'm an adult. 
Right? Like, this is, this is it, right? I'm stressed. I'm tired. I don't have fun anymore. Like, a Friday night comes along, and I'm thinking about how busy my weekend. All I can think about is all those times that my dad would tell me uh, growing up, he would be like, it must be nice being a kid and not have anything to worry about. And his underlying message in me was that um, adults are stressed, and that's normal, and that's okay. Right, and, and weeks uh, earlier to this Friday, Nicole and I saw this like trajectory. We were getting busier, and we just thought, you know, let's make sure we stop and we pause and we have these healthy rhythms where we pray together. And somebody gave us this like a Bible devotional, and we thought, like, let's just read through that together. And we just knew before we get too busy, before we get too stressed, let's make sure that is a priority for us. So here we are on a Friday night, and I'm looking at this pile of homework that she has to do, and I'm looking at this essay that I don't want to write, this, this thesis I don't want to write, and we're feeling that stress, and I just think, you know what? Let's pause for a moment and be healthy. Let's manage this stress. Let's make sure we're, we're, we're managing the rhythm of our time. And I say, you know what, Nicole? Let's, let's order a large pizza and some buffalo wings, and let's watch some Netflix. And I remember Nicole was like, well, maybe, like, should we do this devotion or pray? And I'm like, listen, I'm a pastor. <laughs> We're good on that front. Like, praying is what I do, right? So we go and we turn on Netflix. And I kid you not, we get a few minutes into this. And, and it freezes. And then I do a little research, and I find out, oh, my gosh, there's, like, an Internet outage in our area. And then Nicole's like, well, like, Maybe this is just like, maybe we should pray. And I'm like, I'm a man. I solve problems. So I pull out, we got this old DVD player we never even used. I pull it out, plug it into the TV. I find some TV shows on a DVD that we have. So I plug it in, we play it. And I, I'm not even messing, like five minutes in, our entire house loses power. It goes completely dark. And I look outside and everyone on our street is out of power. And I look like the electric company is digging a hole or doing something and I find out there's no electricity, right? We're out, and we're, gonna have, we're not going to have any electricity for hours. And Nicole's like, pray? <laughs> Bible? <laughs> but now I'm like, I'm just determined. So I get my faithful laptop, which still has a DVD player in it, so I put the DVD in that. But of course, I had just been using it, so it was out of battery. The last a few minutes, it dies. Uh, and then, now at this time, Nicole's just staring at me, maybe reevaluating who she married. I grab, I, grab, I grab my brand new smartphone that I had just bought, like my first ever smartphone I had at that point, and it just so happened to have Netflix on it. And so we sit there and we turn it on, and we're like this, and I put my arm around her, and we start watching Netflix from my phone for a few minutes, and of course, batteries back then were even worse than they are today. It doesn't last, and it turns off. Like, we are desperately, and I remember thinking, like, we are desperately trying to, to do something other than what I think God was putting on my heart. And eventually, I had this epiphany, and I realized, like, oh, man, maybe this is not just a bunch of coincidences. Like, maybe, and I'm like, Nicole, maybe we should, we should read the Bible together, right? Right, and so we, we lit up a candle, we pulled out our Bibles, and we started reading together. And I'm going to be honest, I don't remember if there was anything amazing we had or we learned or discovered during that time. But I look back and I think about this, right? Like sometimes we get this busyness starts to build, the stress starts to build, and somewhere between the stress and our wanting to cope with the stress, we often in the midst of that, we stop listening. And it's easy 
to leave nothing but crumbs for Jesus in those seasons in our life. And so this is a word for you as much as it is for me. Don't position your life, don't manage your time in such a way that you leave nothing for Jesus but the scraps of your energy. Don't neglect to pause and hear whatever it is God might be sharing with you in that moment. Well, let's go ahead and jump in the first passage uh, we're going to be in. It's going to be in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be, be starting on verse 38. You can join me. This is the word of God. It says, starting in verse 38, it says, um, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Recognize. Uh, recognize right here, right? Mary is sitting. It's just it's a simple picture. Mary is sitting and just listening to the words of what Jesus is saying. Right? Just it's a simple picture. That's all we got here. Right? It just highlights this picture that whatever else is going on in her, we don't know what's on her mind. We don't know what she's thinking about. We don't know what stress she has. She's deciding, I'm just listening to Jesus. Right, picking up in verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And so we got this picture of Mary, and then on the other hand, we have this picture of, of Martha who is um, distracted. That's the word it uses, that she is distracted. It doesn't belittle the significance of what she was doing. It isn't trying to take away that what she was doing is unimportant. She feels that there, all this that is on her plate feels necessary. And that feeling of this is all necessary to me, it's distracting her. It's distracting Martha. Can you relate to Martha? You find yourself so occupied by what you think is necessary in your life that you feel distracted from Jesus. But then notice what Martha does. She's stressed about this, right? She's stressed, and there's this stress that's kind of building. And then she goes on and she accuses Jesus of indifference. If you aren't doing what I want you to, you obviously don't care. So then this is what Jesus says. In verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I think it's interesting what Jesus specifically targets, what um, targets her worries, all right, because she's worried and upset about, about many things. Now, she, she was busy. She was distracted. But really, Jesus goes in, and he laser focuses on what are you worried about? You're getting worked up. What are you worried about, right? So what, what is Martha worried about? Well, likely, one, she's probably worried about the excessive amount of whatever she has to do, which she feels is necessary, which both Martha, I mean, Mary and Martha were supposed to be doing this. And now we know Mary isn't, so she's doing twice the amount of work. Right, but, but on the other hand, on the, the second thing that she might be very much be worried about, she's worried about fairness. Now, just to make a point, to kind of uh, pick this idea out, right, she's really worried about something uh, that is kind of trivial. Right? She's getting worked up and worried about what was fair. Right? Kids, I mean, if you guys have kids, right, you, you've seen kids can obsess over about what is fair. 
Like, this is fair. My kids constantly fight about what is fair or what is not fair. And it's not just kids, right? It's adults too, right? Many adults get worked up over fairness. Uh, I'm going to pick on my mom for a second. We like to go to Disneyland. Uh, I like to, as a family, go to Disneyland. And one of the, the things that you do more than anything at Disneyland is you stand in lines. Everywhere you go, it's a line, and you're always standing in lines. And my mom is sometimes kind of takes it on herself to be like the line police. Like, it's kind of like, it's like, kind of, like there's like a line etiquette. There's certain, certain rules, the things that you do in line or whatever. And so an example of what some of the things that just rubs her the wrong way is when you get like one person who's in line, and they're in line for 30 minutes or so, and then five people come in and cut through all of these people to go join. So one person becomes five people, right? And my mom is the kind of person, like, she'll try to stand in their way, or she'll make comments to them. In the meantime, I'm like, I don't even know who she is, right? But there's this, right? But it's sometimes, like, fairness can drive people nuts, right? But maybe it's not fairness, right? Um, you know, I know I get worked up over about efficiency, Right? And so if I step into something and I see that it's inefficient or I'm, or I'm, and I'm stepping into a business and I see that it's inefficient, I get worked up because I think I'm spending more money, I'm wasting more time because you guys aren't being efficient. Right? Some people get worked up about things being done the right way. Right? I've seen some people get worked up over toilet paper, about which way toilet paper is hung. Right? There is a right way that you hang toilet paper. and They get worked up by it, right? Now, I'm sure you can identify in your life. You can look through your life and you can think, man, there are many, many of these little things, these little details in my life that I might get worried, I might get upset, I might get worked up on. Things that aren't needed. Things that just seem like wasted energy. You might get worried and, and worked up over all these things. Um, but let's be real, a lot of times we get worked up, we get stressed about things that are sometimes, they're not just not trivial, sometimes it's very important. Sometimes, maybe often, we are worried or we are upset, we are stressed about things that seem very important. Finances, jobs, kids, families, politics. And we get so worked up by it. We get so, just, it's just, and it builds and it's stress and the way we think about it just works us up. But if we but take Jesus seriously, if we take Jesus seriously here, if we take his words seriously, what he is telling Martha and I think what he is telling each one of us this morning is that ultimately, we worry about many things, but few things are actually needed. And in fact, we can boil it down to just one thing. Uh, do, do you remember what Jesus said to Satan when he, in the beginning of Ma in Matthew, when Satan is tempting Jesus to break his fast? Satan is saying, hey, you are starving and you can just magic those rocks into bread, right? You can just fix your hunger just like that. And you remember what Jesus says to him. He says, man is not meant to live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. People are meant to live on God's word. God's word is what is most necessary. You are meant to live on God. That means you, you, you are meant to depend on God's word in your life. We are meant to depend on God's word in life. Uh, when you think about it, and you think about everything that Jesus teaches, you see the whole New Testament, you think about everything that Jesus teaches about our life here and about our life to come and the eternity to come, hearing God, listening to God, obeying God, staying connected to God is truly the only thing that matters. 
Um, I, I promise you this. After you die and you are standing before your maker, the only thing that is going to matter to you, the only thing that's going to be going through your head about what actually matters is about how you listened and responded to God. Every worry, everything you were upset about, everything you felt excited about, everything you were stressed about is going to melt away. But how we listened to Jesus, how we listened to him about our worries, how we came to him about the things that were distracting us, that were stressing us, about that the things that we valued, maybe we value too much, we value too little, the things we cared about and the things we strive for. What God, uh, what God says will be the only thing that will really matter. And sometimes we, we read the story of Mary and Martha and we get really caught up into maybe the temperaments of Mary and Martha. We kind of think about the personalities of Mary and Martha. We might be looking at, you know, I mean, people ask questions like, are you more of a Mary or are you more of a Martha? And we start thinking about this as something to do about being task-oriented or maybe something about being people-oriented. But I mean, in that, there, there might be something in that, but I'm just... If we focus on the specific language and the words used in this passage, they gave us a very simple picture. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. That, that, that's what we see. Mary, we, for all we know, Mary was a task-oriented person, and she's looking at all these things that need to be done, that are necessary to be done. What mattered in that moment, she sat at Jesus' feet and listened. And Martha, Martha was distracted by the things to do, by the worries in her life. Uh, and Jesus said to Martha, you're worried about many things, but one thing is needed. It's a very clean picture. Martha failed to listen to Jesus because her worries were distracting her. Our worries can distract us from hearing Jesus. Our worries can often distract us from hearing Jesus. Um, does your stress, does your cares, do they drive you to or from Jesus? Do they drive you to pray and listen more? Or do you find them that they are distracting you? Uh, do they make you unwilling to listen? Uh, I, I think of Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, uh, who, who is filled with, I mean, if you don't know anything about Spurgeon, the man was filled with problems. He had so many issues in his life, so many medical things and so many hardships that he faced. There's so many things in his life that you could say that he was stressed about. And so I, I find it, uh, he's also, you know, one of the most prolific uh, writers in Christian history. But, but this is what he says. When he talks about uh, worries and stress and pain, I listen. Because he knows what he's talking about, right? But this is what he says. He says, let your cares drive you to God. I shall not mind if you have many of them, if each one leads you to prayer. Let your cares drive you to God. Um, society, right, and not literally tells us this, but indirectly it tells us that stress is normal. Stress is almost an ideal. Often we celebrate people who are overcommitted. And, it, um, you know, Elon Musk, right, whether you like him or not, or you think about what he says is interesting or not, whatever, it doesn't matter all that. You can't deny when, you, when he's sitting in these interviews, it's amazing how often 
he or people who he's interviewing with will like celebrate how busy he is. I hear it all the time. You know, I hear him and I, and I listen and people will pull it out. It's like, oh my gosh, he's the CEO of X number of companies. And he'll be like, yeah, I work like 16 hours, like seven days a week, seven days a week, 16 hour days. Right? And it's like, it's almost like it's a celebrated thing. And I'm not saying anything about the need to work, but it's almost like there is this, there's this hyper, the celebration around this hyper busyness. Uh, when we're juggling so many things, trying to be so many things, trying to do so many things, right? I mean, that's what life looks like when you're doing it right. And the reality is when you're doing life right, you're going to be stressed. And, and the reality is, is that when you are doing, life, when you're doing normal life and you're full of stress, you are also going to position yourself perfectly to miss the voice of God. You will position yourself perfectly for, to miss the voice of God. Um, let our minds, we let our minds be filled with all these worries. It's easy to ignore him. Now, now we might ask a question, a very logical question, right? How on earth can we miss the voice of God? Uh, God spoke through a burning bush, right? His voice can come from the clouds and could, could shake the earth with how powerful and how loud he is. He could bring an army of angels to say something to you. Uh, how on earth can we miss his voice? It seems like God wants us to hear something. He can make, it, make sure we hear it. But when you look and you see in Scripture, this isn't really true. God's preferred method is actually not to be that loud, right? In studying scripture and the history of the relationship of God and people, and even if you just talk with mature Christians who have, who have experienced, these experienced Christians who have walked and listened to Jesus and God for so long, you're going to see God chooses to speak to us in many ways, God speaks to us in many, many, many ways. And what we call a theophany, what theologians call a theophany, a theophany is when somebody audibly hears God. Right? You will see it, it's very rare. In Scripture, it happens a handful of times, and that's over the course of several thousands of years. It's rare. And just as rare is that when God chooses to speak through angels or an army of angels or something that big, right? God often is not that loud. God is often not that loud. And we might ask, Why? Why not? Why isn't God more loud? Why isn't God audibly speaking to us and speaking through burning bushes? Um, and, I, and I just wanted to, a quick plug here, because um, this is a topic that is like deserves so much. There's a really, really good book um, out there. Dallas Willard uh, wrote a book called Hearing God. Uh, and just like, a, like a, a five second plug, it is a phenomenal book that helps you unpack and kind of wrestle through these questions in a very logical way and also really helps you pr practically think through what does it look like to, to hear God and to listen to God? Right, it's just a simple plug, but I, got, I have two simple reasons that I just would leave with us this morning to say, why is it that God chooses to not speak in such a, such a loud way? And the first is this. Generally speaking, God wants to speak us in a way. God wants to speak to us in a way that only those who want to hear him will hear him. If you want to not listen to God, he is going to leave that an open opportunity for you. If you want to not seek God, if you do not have a relationship with God, if you don't care about hearing from God, he's going to leave that as an open opportunity for you. That is totally on you. But the second thing is, I think, why is it that God chooses to speak in such a sometimes gentle way to us? Is that God wants us to live in faith and by faith. 
And I will be honest, this is a mystery that I do not fully understand. I don't fully understand why is it that God desires faith so much. But he delights it when people choose to let go of their own method, uh, uh, efforts to trust him. He delights it when people put such hope in prayer that they look like fools if God doesn't come through. And, I, and I'm honest, I don't fully get. Why is it that God likes that so much? I, here's my best stab at it. That faith displays our trust and our love for him. When, when, when are, are we face these circumstances where that stress is piling on and the anxiety is building on and the worry is piling on, uh, and, 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 and living a life of faith requires us to really trust him, right? Faith, it displays our love. It displays our desire for him. It displays our trust for him. Despite whatever fears, whatever worries are packing on, God desires our trust and love, and faith displays that amazingly well. Um, if every time God uh, spoke to us, he spoke from a burning bush, if every time he spoke to us it was from the clouds and his face emerged like from Lion King when Mufasa shows up to Simba, Simba. Like if every time God interacted with us it was a picture like that or an army of angels there, seriously ask yourself, uh, would there ever be any need to actually trust him? Would you ever need to feel like, yeah, I actually want to love God and I'm choosing to pursue him. I want a relationship with him. What need would there be to ever to choose to listen if he's always speaking in some miraculous way around you? God doesn't want us to robotically obey him. He wants us to live in faith, to live life pressed with fears and worries, pressed with all kinds of stresses and anxieties that build up in our life, but then yet have this need but with open arms to take these leaps of faith and pray and to humble ourselves and to let go of ourselves and to stop striving to try to be everything and do everything and like a child coming to a father to sit and listen at his feet and let him change our perspective to work in our life. God chooses to speak to us in a way we might choose to ignore. And he speaks to us in a gentle way, allowing us to either listen or not. Theologians often call this the still, quiet voice. And you might be familiar with this phrase if you've been around the church for a while. The still, quiet voice is that voice of God that whispers to our hearts and our heads, gently leading us if we choose to humbly listen. It comes from this passage in 1 Kings 19, right after the, the events that uh, JP, Pastor JP talked about last week. Uh, God gives Elijah this uh, revelation. Uh, Elijah had just ran for his life, and he's now in a cave, and then God gives him this amazing revelation that would shape believers for thousands of years to come. But it's in 1 Kings 19, it's picking up in verse 9. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. This is the word of God. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. 
Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not on the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not on the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mountain of the mouth of the cave. This, this passage has spoken, uh, has have had evol- a huge amount of impact to the average believer. Let's unpack it just for a little bit here. It says, um, Elijah uh, says to God, um, they're killing your prophets. Right? He's coming to God. He's like, you're killing your prophets and I'm the last one. This is Elijah's stressful situation. He is facing imminent death. Right? And if you look back at uh, last week's reading, it was in verse 3. Uh, it said that Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He was afraid and he ran for his life. Uh, he ran for 40 days and he gets to this, this cave, Mount uh, Ahorib, mountain of God, a very special place. But why did Elijah run? Right, well, one, we can safely assume, uh, and to some extent, he's looking around and he's seeing all his prophets die. He's seeing uh, the fruit of the work that he has been doing just kind of start falling apart, that Israel is like openly disobeying and running from God. Uh, he, he can safely assume, he might be assuming God isn't here. This is a mess. This whole, everything, all this is here, this is a mess. And this is the moment in our lives that we're looking at our fears and we decide, I, I don't trust God in this right now. I don't trust God in this right now. This is the moment the average begin, believer begins to try to solve problems on their own. God, you aren't here. Where are you? And then we run. And so often like Elijah, believers are confronted with stressful and challenging situations in their lives that brings up all these worries and these fears. And our thoughts are like Elijah. Where is God in the mess? Where is God in the struggle? Why isn't God working some kind of a great miracle to solve all these problems we have? And we wonder and we doubt and we assume, well, God's just doing nothing. Like Martha, we ask, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about my worries? Who can relate to that thought process? And then the lesson that we learn from Elijah is this. That God says to him, he says, go, go out to the mouth of the cave. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you what my presence looks like. I'm going to show you what my presence looks like. And so Elijah assumes probably he's going to see something epic. (laughs) He's probably going to see something huge. He's going to see God and his awesome power. And so he sees this powerful windstorm, something like a tornado, and it's shattering rocks and devastating the earth. Surely that's God, but God isn't there. And then he looks and he sees this earthquake, right? The whole earth is shaking. This is before they understand anything about why earthquakes happen, right? This is like intense thing going on. Surely that must be God. That is epic enough to be God, but yet God isn't there. And then there's this fire. Who knows where the fire is? Is it a volcano? I don't know where this fire is. Surely this power, that must be God. But God wasn't there. You know, we often assume if God is doing something, it's going to be epic. If God is going to work in our lives and work in the world, if he's going to speak to us, it's going to be something that's going to make directors like James Cameron and Michael Bay have a run for their money. We're going to be thinking there's going to be so many explosions that it's going to be so awesome. 
that we're just going to be baffled about how huge it is. But this is what Elijah sees. God, it isn't in the storm. He isn't in the earthquake. He isn't in this wildfire. God usually isn't flashy. Instead, he came in a gentle whisper. Almost, almost unnoticeable. And NIV calls it a gentle whisper, but King James calls it the still, small voice. What did Elijah learn? Right, if, you, if you aren't looking, it can be very easy to miss the subtle yet powerful ways that God might be moving in your life. If you aren't listening, it might be easy to get caught up with your worries and your stresses, and you might miss the subtle voice that might be speaking to you. You know, what exactly does that look like? Right? I mean, sometimes God whispers into our own conscious thoughts. Sometimes it's these circumstances in our life, maybe losing internet, losing power, a set, of, a set of circumstances just unfolding in your life that makes you start thinking, or maybe there's some specific words that are said. Sometimes God speaks through people. Often God speaks through people. People might say a word or a phrase to you that just sticks with you. And not a word that makes you self-conscious and <laughs> makes you worried about something, but a word that leads you, that pushes you. Sometimes, perhaps, most often, God speaks through his written word. That as we're reading through scripture, that we see something there and we just reflect on it, we're just drawn to it, and there's something there that just hits, hits us harder than normal. And then God whispers to our heart, heart that he's saying something very specific. I said, there's so much to learn about this topic that we're just scratching the surface on, on it, and there's so many great resources. And I'll push, pull that, that book again, the Dallas Willard's book about hearing God. But I want to offer just three pieces of advice. Three pieces of advice about what it looks like when we practice, practice, practically active, to practice active living at listening to God. Three pieces of advice about practice, practicing active living. I can't say it. <laughs> active listening. Number one, deliberately seek God. Deliberately seek God. Um, you have to make an active choice. There has to be this active choice, a deliberate decision to prioritize listening, seeking God in your life. When the busyness comes and the stress starts building, it is a choice, a deliberate choice to show God, I want to hear you. I want to hear you, right? Do you think God wants to speak to us if we really don't want him? Um, don't treat God like a lottery ticket, right? Like responsible people. Think about this, right? Responsible people. You might buy a lottery ticket if you're a responsible person, right? And you're thinking, I'll throw a few bucks at it. Why not, right? I mean, I have zero chance of winning it. If I don't put any money in it, at least I have some kind of a chance if I get it, right? But responsible people don't buy a lottery ticket and then like quit their job because they're like, well, I just bought a lottery ticket. <laughs> I'm going to be set. Right? People, people don't a- approach that, right? Like responsible people don't, don't do that. It's not an investment. They don't change their life around it. It's just as casual. Here's a few bucks. Let's see if it happens. Maybe I'll win. Maybe I don't. And people treat a lottery ticket like that, right? Don't, don't, don't treat God that way. Some approach God like this. We don't count on him. We're not going to make any different choices whether or not God is real or not or whether or not we believe that it, where prayers matter or not. We don't believe any of that, right? I'm just going to throw out a few words, like a few bucks to God and the off chance that he decides to answer a prayer today. Don't treat God like a lottery ticket. God is, an interest, God is interested in committed, devoted followers, people who really want to hear him and know him. 
People who are invested in him have something to lose if they're wrong about him. And I would say the root problem why most people don't feel like they have this engaged conversational relationship with God is rooted in the fact that they are not committed. They're not all that serious in their pursuit to know, to listen, and to hear or obey God. And it starts with our hearts. Do you really want God in your life? Do you really, 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 really want more of God in your life? Because if so, no amount of stress or fears or concerns is going to stop you from making him a priority. Number two, combat sin. And this deserves its own sermon. I'm just going to barely tap at it. You have to combat sin, right? In short, sin is the opposite to advice number one. Advice number one is deliberately seek God, right? Advice number two is don't sin. Basically, uh, don't do the opposite of that. Because sin is when we deliberately decide to reject God. And whatever sin it is in your life, whether it's an issue of pride, it's an issue of anger, it's an issue of adultery, whatever it is, lying, dishonesty, whatever it is, right? Sin is a decision to say, not this area in my, in li- in my life, God. This, I do what I want. This area is that I do what I want. So when we deliberately choose to not listen again, that, that's what sin is, right? You have to deliberately fight sin. Right? Uh, and then, and then the, the third and the last one, you got study scripture. Study scripture, right? Study, learn, commit to knowing God in the clearest way, words that God has already given us. Like commit to studying and learning what God has already said to us in such a powerful way. When you know what God has already said in your life and what he has already said to all people, it is so much easier for us to recognize his voice in those subtle areas. Makes me think of this story I was just reading this last week. I was, I was reading the story about this girl, this young girl who got kidnapped. Uh, and, and the kidnapper then used the girl's phone to blast off a bunch of messages to the parents, uh, telling them why she chose to run away, why she chose to, 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 to disappear out of the middle of the night and never come home. And then the parents are looking at these at this messages, this series of messages that the kidnapper sent, and they see all these uh, spelling errors. They see all these grammar errors. They see word choice that doesn't sound like their daughter. So they go and they turn it into the police. And they're like, this doesn't sound like our daughter. I don't think this is her. All right, the better you know how God speaks, the better you know the types of things that God says, the easier it is going to be for you to discern that this sounds like him or this sounds like some kind of an enemy trying to distract me and deter me and point me in a different direction. It's going to help you discern which way. Now, as, you, as, you, as, you, as you head into the next season, you think about these three pieces of advice, though. As you head into this next season, whatever it is, perhaps your life's going to get busier, more complicated. Perhaps you're going to pile on a bunch more new fears and anxieties Make a deliberate choice to choose, to pause, to listen. And sometimes as mature Christians, we can miss God's voice. Sometimes when we are stressed, it is easy to miss God's voice. A few weeks ago, uh, you know, my kids were in the backyard. We have this like really tiny pool. 
It's like really tiny. <laughs> it's like perfect for a four-year-old, but it's like really small. And they were in and they're playing it. And afterwards they're out and I'm like rinsing the chlorine out of their hair. And sometimes I'm like super lazy and I'm just giving them like a shower there with like shampoo and stuff. And I'm, I'm rinsing out their hair right there. So I don't, you know, have to do it later. And then there's this little bug that gets on uh, our oldest daughter's, Laura Lee's foot this little tiny bug, and at some point in time, she sees it, and she freaks out. She's screaming bloody murdering. She's panicking, and I can't tell. I'm like, is she serious? Like, she's serious or not? Like, it's like that over the top, where I'm like, are you laughing, or are you crying and, and terrified, right? But she's petrified by this little bug, and I'm trying to grab her attention. Like, hey, hey, chill out, chill out. It's a ladybug, <laughs> right? And she's freaking out, but she's petrified. There is a bug on my foot. But she's so worried she doesn't hear her father's voice. Sometimes you can get so focused on your fears that you stop listening. Because the scary thing is right there. <laughs> Honestly, our thought process is something like this. If God isn't squishing the bug, then God isn't, he's just too distant. He obviously doesn't care. That's a mistake that people make over and over again. Don't be so afraid of the bug on your foot that you stop listening to the voice of your father. Right? He may or may not make the bug go away, but in light of him, the bug won't matter. In light of him, whatever fear you have won't matter. Your stress might be screaming in your ear, your worries, your fears, those things that you are upset about. There are these voices telling you, screaming in your ear, that these are the things that are most important. But remember Jesus' words. There is indeed only one thing that is needed. Turn your ears to the one thing that is truly needed. Are you really listening to God right now? Are you actively seeking him? If God was whispering something to your heart this week, do you think you would hear him? Or are you worried? Are you so worked up and stressed and so busy and so consumed by what society tells us is normal that you forget to pause or you are just simply unable to listen? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Uh, when you evaluate your life, your schedule, your priorities, your business, the busyness, your businesses, whatever it is, does it show that you are seeking God with all of your heart? Because if not, then you're being a Martha. And it's time that we learn from Mary. Turn your focus on what you really need. Pray with me. God, thank you for today, Lord. God, and I, and I ask right now that um, this word and even just the, the, your word from Scripture might jump out into our hearts today. God, that you would speak to us in that gentle whisper, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would shape our priorities, shape what we are concerned about, what we are thoughtful about. God, don't let us be just so distracted by our fears and concerns that we forget to listen to you. God, help us in our lives see our need for you. And help us to be able to come, humbly come, Lord, recognizing that stress and the busyness, like those things don't 
we do should not let those things pile up and stack up in our hearts so much that they, that they overcome the importance of seeking you. God, let us practice listening and let that be our new normal going into the season, God. Thank you, Father, for your love and your grace that you show in our lives. Thank you for all that you do. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.